What's up, guys? Welcome back to episode number 35. This week, our guest is Malachi Mott. He is a producer, mixer, artist, overall creative, and we worked together for many years at Interscope Records back in the day. I've always been admirational of Malachi's ability to jump from thing to thing. After he left Interscope, he had several interesting jobs and uh, several different creative projects, which he gets into on the episode. He spent a little bit of time interning for Diddy and shares a really cool story about how he connected with Dr. Dre and some wisdom that Dr. Dre shared uh, and many other gems along the way. Excited for you guys to check this one out. Here we go. Welcome, everybody, to Connection is Magic. I'm your host, Samson Shulman, a former music executive turned podcaster and coach. In a world obsessed with the highlight reel and keeping our difficulties hidden behind the curtain. We end up feeling lonely and isolated, and opportunities for human connection are missed. On this podcast, we dive deep with our guests and get them to share those dreaded, unfiltered pieces. We learn how to make lemonade out of life's lemons and realize adversity isn't sent to break us, but rather shape us into the greatest versions of ourselves. We appreciate you spending some time with us. Now let's begin our journey back home to connection. All right, welcome everybody to a very special episode of Connection is Magic, and today's special guest is Malachi Mott. I used to call him Malachi to the rescue. Yes, because I used to save your ass all the time. <laughs> all the time. <laughs> all the time, back when we were at Interscope together. So um, there's a lot to dig into today. I was really looking forward to this episode, man, so thanks for coming through. Yeah, hey, I was looking forward to it too. I'm yeah. glad you pushed the date forward because I was like, Super, like, anticipating it. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's pandemic cruising right now. <laughs> <laughs> All over the map. So, um, yeah, man, let's kick it back just quickly. So, originally, like, tell listeners, like, where are you from originally? All right, so I'm from New York. Moved to Boston to go to Berkeley College of Music. Graduated from there. Moved straight to, came straight to L.A. And that, straight to Interscope Records. Yeah, I got the job at Interscope before I even graduated from school. So I kinda, okay. I wouldn't be here if I didn't get that job. Did you notice something? I want to ask you. When I was at Interscope, I noticed, like, I worked my ass off as an intern, right? Because I didn't have any really family that worked there or any hookups. So, like, I just felt lucky to get an opportunity. Mm-hmm. But did you notice there were a lot of kids in there that, like, sloughed off and didn't give a shit? Oh, there's definitely um, an nepotism-driven industry. Yeah. You know, so I when I figured that out, I was like, all right, I got to get my relationships up because that's... Mm-hmm. I haven't used my resume maybe twice in 12 years. Come on. Because it's all like, oh, yeah, we need a guy like you. Come on in. Because you just get the cosign. That's all you need. Yeah, for most jobs, yeah, out here in this industry because having a resume doesn't mean anything because you could do work, put it on your resume, but you're still yeah. not fit for the job. Yeah. So, um, people's reputations are everything. It's that's your, that's your currency, but it's not based on merit. It's based on kind of who, you know, yeah. Which, uh, and th- who trusts really- you? And, you know, it's like, you know, if, if I got, if, if I give you a cosign and you go in and you don't show up on time and you like curse somebody, that's going to fuck you up. Yeah. And I, no one's going to trust me anymore. And then I'm never going to give you a job. Yeah. So it doesn't matter like how much, how good you are at the job. Yeah. I care more about if people are going to like you. Have you had you. some things turn on you? Have you hooked it? And again, don't, you don't have to name names, but have you hooked up somebody with, a, yeah. with, a, with an opportunity? Can you tell us like when it kind of backfired on you, what the scenario was? Yeah. All right. I'll give you one specific yeah. one. I had a student that graduated. He'd been out for like six um, months and 
I was like, cool, I'm gonna help this guy out, man. He's busting his ass, got his like studio up and running. I'm in a studio with this guy that's like, yo, we're working on Britney Spears and we need some tracks. And I'm like, all right, I don't have time right now to help with the music, but I know this kid can make something that Britney would love. So I was like, cool, I set it up. Two different students came in. I was like, look, at least if one of them doesn't show. But this is an opportunity for Britney Spears. Like, why is somebody not going to take it seriously? I told both of them, and neither of them showed up. So I'm in the studio by myself with this guy, and he's looking at me like, why did I even ask you? You know, And to this day, like, he's never responded to any of my calls. Never. Damn. He just doesn't take me serious anymore. So it's just like, you know, like... I, I and I, I asked two students specifically. How did you move forward with those students? Did that mess up your relationship yeah, never, with them? Yes. You never you never wanted to Because they both gave me bullshit excuses. Oh, can I curse on this podcast? Oh, dude, please, <laughs> we welcome it. <laughs> yeah, they gave me bullshit excuses. One yeah. was like, Oh, I had a headache. And I'm like, yo, what? That's what, <laughs> like I'm, Bro. Not, I'm not trying to roll over and just put the tip in. What are you talking about? You got a headache. Get out of here, bro. <laughs> like <laughs> You, there's no room for that in this industry. I got a headache. And the other one was like, oh, I just overslept. I was like, dude, it was at 6 p.m. What are you talking about? Like, what okay. is happening? Oh. So, you know, I have no, like, beef with the, these people, but I know that they don't relate to opportunities as, like, yeah, like lose yourself. Like, I think that that song is 100% accurate. You got one shot, you yeah. know? Do not miss this chance to blow. So you got to, every time there's an opportunity, show up like literally this is the you thing. You know, we had on the producer that did Lose Yourself, right? No way. Yeah. What's his name? Jeff Bass. We oh, just, I know Jeff. I okay. worked with Jeff. Oh, did you? Yeah. When oh, did you have him on? Crazy. Well, he was episode number 22 and we do Throwback Thursday and he was like our last Throwback Thursday. So we put the clips up, but he, on when I was interviewing him, he was talking about if he got that call from M at like three in the morning, Gotta he go. was gone. Yeah. yeah. He was over. He's like, you never know. Never know gotta make it work but with my job my job isn't the computer isn't the music the music's the easy part i can do that shit in my sleep the hard part is setting up the session so that everyone has a good time and everyone's on the same page i'm managing people mm. so when i do my job well yeah you don't see it well okay so let me let me let me pause the timeline because i feel like the come up is always fascinating to dig into okay so when you were like hustling at interscope and you didn't have the relationships you have or the knowledge that you have or whatever tell us about what was it like what was going through your head this young cat you're not 35 you're 24 or whatever you were right at the time how old was i 23 okay let's just go with 23 somewhere around there pretty young hustling i want to know what was going through malachi's head when you were in the building were you operating out of like anxiety, like man, I gotta create, I gotta make this work, I gotta make it happen, or did you find yourself like pretty, you know, pretty steady through that? Because I know for me, when I was coming up, I was driven by anxiety to make something happen because you're really trying to make something out of nothing. Truly, when you're like an intern or just starting out, so did you have that too? Yeah, to to a degree, I had two different things because. Yours is even tougher because you're not you just nothing physically in front of you. No, like I'm actually touching things and and so I, I feel like. But there was that a- job, there's twenty five thousand people that would want what you had to be an opportunity there. So did you I did that think- make you nervous at all? No. Okay, so I don't know. This is this is a, a tough question because there's so many things going on in my mind. So coming there, I didn't know what I wanted to do for a living. So 
I was hoping to discover that. I also thought that I had value because I was very good at like making music and, you know, creating things. That was not true. There's no value in that anymore. No mm. one goes, oh, this person's good at making music. We're going to give them money. No, that doesn't happen. It was more of like, I've got to position myself so that when the person comes that I want to leave with, like that could come in, take me under their wing. I was always looking for a mentor to take me under their mm -hmm. wing, which I don't think it ever really happened. There was a lot of people who mentored me while we were in the studio and then they left and then I, we got the next person. But that place had such high turnover of just producers and artists coming through. I was just eventually just like, you know what? Because it just, was hemorrhaging money at the time though, right? In its time, defense. Yeah, you I know was going to say, I mean? at the time, we're probably still doing that. I think <laughs> yeah. that's what they do best. <laughs> they just, I don't know, they're just trying to figure True. out how to, how to capitalize on creativity, but they don't really understand the value of creativity or how to, how to harness it. So I've spent my life figuring out how to harness it now. That's a good way to put it. So in my mind, I'm like, all right, how do I, how does this machine work? How do I get behind the wheel of the machine? How do I get people who are behind the wheel to actually let me get behind the wheel? So I'm like, you know, just learning all the things, talking to people like you, you know, hoping that like if I get in buddy buddy with you, then maybe you'll introduce some me to some opportunity. More people. Yeah, cetera, so, yeah. Yeah. I used to walk around the building and just like talk chop to it everybody. Yeah, yeah. Chop it up, like yeah. literally just sit up yeah. and like, hey, what's going on with yeah. you? And people were <laughs> like, oh, and they were so happy to have a visitor that they would just talk to me. Yeah, for sure. I was so fun. So I, I, you know, I loved Interscope. So I was so happy to be there. Like, I think I'm successful already because I'm at this place. Mm -hmm. Two, I'm making almost minimum wage. So I'm not successful at all. Three, there's times that I'm not getting paid for what I'm doing, so I'm really not successful mm -hmm. in my own head. And four, there's people that, that was the influencers started to come in. Now we're 100% influencer now. Like, you know, like only it's influencers all about numbers, get paid. Yeah. Just the numbers. If you're yeah, not yeah, getting, yeah, yeah. you know, followers and views, you're not making money anymore. And that's what happened for me when I was doing a and I was like, it's no longer about spotting dope talent early. It's about waiting for it to have numbers, oh, right? That's I, all the label was doing at that's that all point. That's all they're doing, yes. Yeah, so I'm like, A&R is like obsolete, bro. Well, Would you agree? In a lot of ways. I think that there's school. an opportunity for new school A&R. Like, mm. I think you were good at it. And like, one thing I'm going to say, I think you found your niche and you didn't see your niche. Mm. You were able to bring artists that didn't have the numbers yet and get them to a place that they could get to the numbers, and then they would get signed and come out from you. If you right. made a business out of that, dude, you'd make $200,000 a year, man. You could you you could, still smash on that. Yeah, I still got the ear, bro. I had an artist that I signed to Def Jam named Wax, Wax. right? I know what you're going to say. And I remember it was so dope. You're like, man, if you can't get him a record deal, you just need to go back to Detroit <laughs> or something so straight up. I was like, yo, like, what's the point if you find this guy? You found the guy and you can't do it, then you don't need to be doing this. And I got him a big deal. He did. And his, his picture was in the building, apparently. I don't know if you were still there. but uh, I did see that, the picture. Really? I did see the picture on the wall. That's so trippy, man, to be able to pull that off because, you know, that was my big dream coming up in that building was just to see something on the wall. But I think you still... I was already gone by then, I, I think. I think you're still that person because you're so personable. Like, you are legit my only friend from the record label. You Seriously? do know that, yeah. No, I didn't know that. You would invite me to your birthday parties dude, we just had to hang out. But we had dope birthdays together. I mean, dude, you made my birthday at the Roosevelt Hotel. I think I was turning 29. Tell the people about how fun that party was. That oh, was, that I, was legendary I, shit. No, that, that, that one gets zipped up. <laughs> what happened at that party stays at that party. 
that party was lit. Um, but nobody else was inviting me to birthday parties. You know what I mean? Like, Crazy. you know, the other engineers maybe, but yeah. not people from the record label. Yeah. And you had conversations with a lot of people on the record label, yeah, obviously, all, all, right? All the yeah. time, but they yeah. only called me when they needed stuff. Yeah. And they always needed stuff. And when I stopped doing free stuff, they stopped calling me. Come on. Yeah, 100%. So I I always tell people that when, yeah. they, when I mention you, I'm like, yo, you didn't belong in the building because you actually cared about people. <laughs> <laughs> That's the realest shit I've ever heard. <laughs> but that, that was your strength because the, the artist would listen to you and trust you. Yeah, But man. it was your weakness because yeah. the record label didn't trust you. <laughs> no, no, no. That's so... Bro. Yo, I learned so much watching what's going on. You were a people person and now you cared about everyone from the... Like, I would hang out with the people from the mail room. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because yeah. I like them. Yeah. I didn't really hang out with a lot of the other people because they were all clout chasers. And, you know... They're, they're, it's all... It's all... It's all fuckery, yeah. right? To what use that word. Do? Yeah, yeah it's, it's all fuckery. 100%. Yeah, that is the exact word. It's a great word. word for it, right? Fuckery. fuckery. <laughs> yeah. Um, I remember someone saying about Drake that he would never make it because he was on Degrassi, this and that. And I was like... I. I think he's kind of cool. Like, he's not my favorite rapper off the first mixtape, but yeah. I was like, you know, but he's doing his thing. Like, let him do his thing. Like, why are you talking negative about him? And mm. then once he blew up, that same person was like, oh, oh you think Drake going to get on this? I'm like, yo, shut up. You don't even like him like that. Wow. Like, that's what I'm thinking in my head. I remember Psy uh, with Gangnam Style. I yes. found out on Reddit, right? And I saw all these people overseas doing the dance. And I went, hold on a second. I put the, my speakers up and I started doing a dance. I went, oh, this is fun. This is fun. This is going to blow up. So I came to the record label and I was like, look, I don't know what you guys need to do, but you guys got to figure out something before wow. this comes here. So that, And everyone laughed at me. They were like, wow. it's not even in English. But like the difference is I enjoyed it the way everyone else was enjoying it, they were judging it based on like their perceived value of it. Mm -hmm. I think when you come from this place of like, I my tastes are important, you're never going to succeed. But if you go out and actually enjoy it with the people, it's true. you'll get what it is in the it's value. It's true. It's just how it moves through your body. Mm -hmm. In fact, you told me, see, I remember a lot of shit you said, man. You well, told I'm me. I talk a lot. Of <laughs> course, man. That's why I wanted to have you on because you got, you got some wisdom on you. You were talking about how we were in the Interscope studio and you were pointing to the speakers and you're like, I learned that you, you got to get these cones to move a certain way. Can you repeat that for the, for the oh, listeners? Remember that? Yeah. So the Come value in. of the song is the impact or the way, the amount of euphoria you feel when the cones are actually vibrating at your, you know, a at certain your body. Way. Yeah. That's all our job is, is to make the cones vibrate a certain way, a certain way to make whatever result we want to have happen, happen. So if we want to make you cry, we got to figure out how to make them vibrate so you cry. You know, and it's all, it's all an illusion. There's no actual vocal. There's no actual, you know what I mean? There's no person there. But we got to make you feel a person, even though there's no person in front of you. Yeah, so, that, that, that always hit me. Yeah. I think that's good. And that's the whole job. I think in life, we all kind of go for things. And then as we grow and change, the things that we go after those don't even speak to us anymore. Yeah. Does that make sense? Like, I, like my music career is like, what? Like I did music, like, you know, and now I'm just like into a whole new path. And so for you, at what point can you talk us through, you know, when you were leaving the label, I know you had a couple bumps in the road, Malachi, for your transitions. Can you walk us through oh, what man. it was like? You know, I know you went to, you did something in Vegas for a little bit. You were selling, uh, 
a Vitamix. Oh, no, I was out here. I <laughs> it mean, was out I was, here. it wasn't in Vegas, but yeah. So, all right. I mean, all right. So, I, I quit working at the label because I realized that there was, there was no path for me to go from being an engineer to being a producer. Someone said to me, I was like, being an engineer is a good path to being a producer. And she went, hmm, I would think producing would be a good path to being a producer. And I went, damn it. That makes so much more sense. So I quit. I got a studio, a really nice studio. It was like $1,200 a month on La Brea. And, mm. and I couldn't figure out how to make the studio make money. So I, I went bankrupt. I lost mm. everything. Was homeless. Wow. You know, I was sleeping in the studio for a while. And wow, I just got rid no. of everything. And then um, I started selling Vitamix blenders okay. to, to get back on my feet. That's what helped me get back on my feet. After the studio went under. Correct. Okay, cool, so, cool, cool. You know. So thank you for sharing that, man. So, so I mean, like basically when that was ending, were you thinking before you took on the Vitamix thing, were you like, I need to be done with music for a while? Nah, I just, there's a video online with this guy, Kenny Brooks, where he goes door to door and he's selling some cleaning product. I don't know if you've ever seen it. I haven't. He's just telling jokes the whole time. And they asked him, you know, why, why, why are you doing this? He's like, I want to be a stand-up comedian. I want to be a comedian. And going, Jamie Foxx said go, selling door-to-door will make you better communicator than if you went to school for it for four years. Makes sense. And I was like, yo, he's so quick. So I was like, all right, you know, I'll take a sales job, you know. And literally the day that I realized I was going to be homeless, someone called me and said, do you, do you need a job? Literally the same day. So I was like, Yes. What, what you got? And he was like, oh, Vitamix. You know, I had just done this program. He said, if you finish this program, they'll totally hire you. And I was like, well, I've just finished the program. And they're like, all right, cool. So I went in. I'd never done sales ever in my life. Wow. I got so good at it. I was like speaking on my feet. Wow. You know, and I don't know if you remember me before, but I was a little, I, I was an introvert. Like I never, I would never do podcasts and stuff like this. Like Damn. this is like, I'm good at it now. I'm like, it's easy. And, yeah. But because of the Vitamix job. <laughs> I would definitely say the Vitamix job got me good at it. In the beginning, I was like, sir, would you like to see my... Hey, do you guys want a smoothie? And then, like, after, like, you know, six months of it, I'm like, yo, what's up, ma? Holla at your boy. I got the Vitamix. Let's go. You know, like, like it just makes it to where you're no longer afraid of, like, approaching people. You, you The fear of rejection isn't so high. Yeah. Um, yeah. You're quicker. You're a quicker thinker. You can size people up. I sized this one lady up one time. She came up with her husband. And she looked at, she had a blender in her, her cart and she looked at the Vitamix price and she said, all right, if you can convince me that blender is worth five times this blender, I'll buy your blender. And I went, okay. <laughs> and she goes, sold. All right, now show me how to use it. <laughs> but That's I, amazing. I sized her up. I was like, she's someone that just respects confidence. You yeah. know, so I was like, I just yeah. got to exhibit that this is going to be fun. Wow. You know, and I, I don't know at what point I figured that out, but I started getting that. Now when I, I sell my music, I speak to what people are actually listening for. Mm, interesting, so, man. So that was the first like bump in that like you could see the bump in my life there's tons of mini bumps but that was like the first major one yeah um that's that reminds me of like when um steve jobs went to school you know he dropped out of college or whatever, but stayed. like <laughs> yeah but 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 in the college it just shows you how things work together is what i'm saying like he took this co- uh, course the calligraphy course mm-hmm. which is like did you know about this yeah just like and so like and that's why we have fonts yeah we would not have fonts if he didn't just take a random calligraphy class so, you know, everything, it's like the movie Yes Man. You ever see that with Jim Carrey? 
I know the premise, but I haven't seen it. Oh, well, he, you know, just says yes to everything. He starts saying yes because he was a no person for, for forever. Yeah. And he starts saying yes. He takes like guitar lessons. He learns different languages. He learns how to fly a plane. Mm. And by the end of the movie, all of those things actually help him in some way to mm. get to the where he wanted to be. And so, I think that that's one of the most accurate movies I've ever seen in my life. I know it's like a comedy, but everything that I've done in my life has shown up. Like, oh my God, like I took magic as a kid, you know, and the things I learned from that have helped my music so much. So back to what you were saying though, in the timeline. So that, that, that left Interscope, bottom falling out when you had the studio, right? Mm -hmm. And homelessness for a bit. And then, uh, the Vitamix things just, it just kind of up, up and away. Basically it just starts to take off. I was making so much money. So how did the Vitamix thing end finally? I don't even know how to like say this. Um, they switched their finance system. Yeah. And then we just stopped getting paid. We just stopped getting paid one day. Sounds like office space. Did they do it at the Milton? I don't know. I never got that. Wait, (laughs) is that what happened to Milton? That's why he burned the place down? Yeah. Well, they kept on. I thought it was because of a stapler. No, man. He's like, he's like, uh, and I haven't been paid for uh, uh, four weeks now. Yeah, I think I went about six weeks without pay. And I had to put my own money into the hotels because I was traveling. So, like, I started going bank. Eventually, I got paid, but it was after I quit. And then they had, like, a class action lawsuit and i got paid more money but i'd already left so it was like you know that was my out that was my financial thing my how long was up. that how long was the vitamix chapter probably a year and a half okay you know my, and at this point did you put music on hold when you were doing the vitamins nah, I, was, I was hiring and i made a music video i was doing everything remote you spoke on the fuckery of the music industry right and how i wasn't really a fit with the system right right and i feel like maybe you weren't either in that way right not at the label you, no yeah because yeah, you're just a there. real you're a real dude bringing yeah. her, it's like i ain't fit at all man no no <laughs> i feel like, like if you can't if you can't play in the fuckery pond it's not a place for you well you know that long quote about like how the music industry is a shallow smart, hallway yeah, that's, and there's also a negative look, side yes, there's <laughs> also a negative side yeah. if you don't see that and get excited you should not be there that's because i also don't feel like they're the music industry i feel like they're the brand exploitation industry i had so many epiphanies just going to other companies i went to dc comics my friend works there she's she's pretty high up and she gave me this grand tour and it was this room full of people just drawing Mm. i was like what's this room she goes oh those are all of our artists i was like oh wait they get a paycheck (laughs) and she was like yeah she was like annoyed (laughs) she was annoyed with me she was like yes and i was like so like they work like 40 hours a week she's like yeah i guess and they're just in there just drawing the pages to the comics you would be reading yeah and i'm like thinking wow that's such a why is that weird to me? It, then it, I go in her office. You know what it's like? It's like it's like a chick being in a relationship and the guy is cheating on her <laughs> and kicking her around. And you're like, wait, he gets home at five? Like he wait, takes out what? the takes he out the got trash? You flowers? He got he got you flowers? <laughs> what? He called on my birthday? It was like, just such a weird paradigm yeah. to see someone who gets a check for doing the thing that they're good at. And I was just so like after that, I couldn't go back to working for free to prove myself to, in order to make something happen so that I could use that so to leverage myself. So this epiphany moment came... Three years ago, maybe? Okay, so this is after Vitamix and you I'm were... I'm already in the school. Everything is kind of coasting. Teaching. teaching. So mm-hmm. once I started teaching, my life kind of started to, to level out. 
and I had some consistency. Stability. And that's, yeah, yeah. That's where I could start to build myself, build my network, build my friends, build yeah. my, my daily routine so I didn't get interrupted by, hey, you got to come and out again, to hang out with the, you know. Did you find it hard to let go of the old life not, at that no, point? No, because I never made ready? any money. Never made it. You know, if I would have made tons of money, sure. But no, I never made any money. So I was like, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to work on me. You know, enjoy my life. And then I got, uh, um, I started working at soundbetter.com. So mm. on Soundbetter, I do remixing and I make a, a decent amount. So I'm like, look, I get to work from home. I got people all over the world. I've worked with what people. What do you do there, Malachi? So people whose songs, like they put them out and they don't really go anywhere. Yeah. They come back and they go like, hey, look, instead of making a whole nother song, can you just remix it to make it sound like it belongs in 2020? Oh, and I cool. go, yeah, sure. I take it apart. I polish everything up, put it back together, give it back to them. Mm -hmm. And then they pay me. And like I get paid. They put the money in up front so I know I don't have to chase Come them for on. it. Come on. Before the work is done. They, put the, they fund it. Then I do the work. When I'm done, they click a button. I get the money. That's so much better than chasing people down with invoices. Yeah. So I was like, look, just the amount of time I'm saving just on the invoices is worth me coming down on dude, my price. I, dude, I remember we at Interscope... Uh, there was a musician we used on a record and like we owed him like it was like decent money like i don't know 12 grand or something like that he hit me up for like eight months straight and there was nothing i could do because i kept going to do you know genie ven mm -hmm. she was like the a and r oh, yeah. admin lady everyone hated her <laughs> yeah she's like she was holding up the she, payments oh, no so, money coming in <laughs> so i was just going to her for eight months bro like and i was like i felt so bad for this guy's like man i'm trying for you i'm i'm sorry because he was a cool dude yeah but Com this he's is not the best getting part. paid for any of that time he's not getting any he's, of that time is not getting compensated you for. mean well all his follow-up right. time None oh my god so, and the headache and aggravation but dude it gets worse uh -oh. it gets worse okay all right let me hear this after eight months nine months call it finally got the green light to get his 12k and at that point had to go to his ex he had been divorced and and she like won everything basically oh. and i had to go straight to her dude she took the 12k she took the 12k i was on the phone with this guy like oh shit I just felt so bad at that point. But that's something that doesn't do happen in it. any other industry. Like, if that ever did, you'd get a lawyer, you'd get your money. Yeah. When Vitamix didn't pay me for six weeks, there was a class action lawsuit. Yeah. We all got money. That doesn't happen to the record label because, because it's normalized. Because paying and because not they have paying, all the lawyers. <laughs> they have all the lawyers and it's normalized. And quite frankly, um, they would tell any artist that called up and said, yo, we're going to sue for our royalties. And the label would be like, Blacklist. all right, cool. The, well, blacklisted A, yes, but B, they'd be like, okay, cool. Sue us. And here's what happens. It'll cost them like $100,000 in legal fees to sit there and drag it out because usually the, the label's uh, money is longer than the individual's money. Right. So, they, so like, all right. Or, or we, owe you, we owe you $750,000. This, this is a true story because I worked in finance for like a, a heartbeat there at Interscope and they're like, oh, we owe you um, $750,000? Oh, um, okay. Well, you could take us to court for that or we can give you 150,000 like right now right now and the people take the always take the 150 right now seeing all of that and then going well look i could work with people all over the world from yeah. my bedroom never yeah. leave i yeah. don't even put pants on some days <laughs> it's amazing <laughs> and and like i work on the music in my time yeah make it as dope as i can make it and yeah. i don't have people going well can you make it like this like i i i pick who i work with and I love it. So I've been doing that and teaching 
side by side, which has made me a beast. That's amazing. Whatever you do is just going to like, it's like going to grow muscles Mm. for you. You know what I mean? Even if it's not ultimately where you're trying to go, like you can learn and grow in every situation. 100%. If you're in a position that's not teaching you and helping you grow, like, you know, set a timer. Don't be there forever. You know, you got to really find the next thing that's going to get you, challenge you a little bit. Now, tell me what you've learned in this pandemic. Like, that's a great topic. The pandemic didn't even impact me because I was already online. Okay. So everything I was doing, I was teaching online and I was like, so I was like, like it was like God's way of making it up to you. Like, yeah, you've already suffered in the music industry. (laughs) In the beginning, everyone was like, I can't go to work. I might as well work on my art, man. I got so many new clients for like the first two, three, months it was just like whew. and then when everyone realized oh we're gonna be stuck in this for a while they went ah homie hold on to my money i knew that was gonna happen oh so I, they I made sh- back yeah so i was like cool i'll take this money i bought the dopest microphone i could with it mm-hmm. you know from all that influx and i said cool i'm gonna switch now i'm gonna offer rapping and singing on songs which i've never done so my last post on my instagram i don't know if you've seen it yet is the most engaged post i've had so far and i'm rapping during it like at the end of an interview like off the dome or no, it's, it's written a, it's something mm-hmm. i wrote but only wrote it because i was selling my verses amazing yeah and so okay. I, I i came up with a bunch of verses wrapped them used that as my reel yeah and then i was like cool at least i have material now i wrapped it and everyone's like yo you should do this so i think that's going to be my next transition amazing i'm going to start rapping daily doing a creative path some like family is like way against that when 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 a family member tries to go pursue something like that that's not as stable uh, or they can be supportive. And where was your family on that? Like when, you know, when you were first going or even well, now? Well, mine is a little complicated. You know, as a, as a black person in yeah. America, like we've only been able to go to college for like two generations. It's, mm, it's not that. Good point. Right. So it's kind of in us that like to be successful in America, you've got to get a degree. You know, you got to set yourself up or else you won't be able to get a job. And that was true, you know, 70s, 80s. Into the 90s, it started to shift a little. And then in the early 2000s, it really shifted. And now that's not who's getting jobs at all. It's, it's college like, degree. Like if you have a... It's in a job in general. Like if you got a college degree... A bachelor's doesn't really do much for you well, these yeah, days. Yeah, we're getting 35000 like, a year. It's like a high school degree yeah. almost. Yeah, high yeah, school, yeah, 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 yeah. 100%. You, you like high school, you're getting like 28000 mm-hmm. after that you get a bachelor's now it's four years you're maybe making 35 true you know and um i kind of saw that coming kanye's album the first one kind of college dropout yeah Yeah. gave me Mm -hmm. like all right i'm not crazy i am seeing this so i was in school for computer engineering i did that for two years i knew immediately i didn't want to be a computer engineer and i knew i didn't want to go to that school and i kept going because my mom was like you know just finish it have something under your belt and then I was like, it doesn't make sense for me to have a fallback plan that I would hate. Mm. You know, like, why would I fall back on something that I don't want to do? So when I, I quit, my mom was like, you know, um, as long as whatever school you go to has a degree at the end of it, you can go. And later in life, she laughed and said, you know, I thought that was checkmate. I didn't think there was any music schools with a degree. I went online, typed in music school with degree. Berkeley College of Music came up. I applied. I didn't even look at their website. I only looked when I got applied, when I got accepted. I was like, oh shit, maybe I should actually look at what they have to offer. Um, and I got there. I didn't know what to do. I saw music production and engineering was a major. Didn't know what it, what I was going to learn. I just read, like signed up for that. My mom giving me an ultimatum definitely like made me go, all right, well, like 
can I do this for a living? And I was like, all right, I'm going to do it for a living. Mm. And then when I got out, I realized that I wasn't becoming a music producer. They trained me to be an engineer. <laughs> like, the first time I was in the studio, I don't know if I ever told you this story, Weezer was recording in the club. Not the club, the uh, the rehearsal space. Do you remember the rehearsal space? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of So they were going to perform on stage in front of people who had won tickets from, from a radio station. And then they ran cables into the studio to record. And they were ready to start, but the studio wasn't ready to record. So they were like, Malachi go in there and help them. I had never even seen the inside of the studio yet. I'd only been there two weeks. So I was like, all right, uh, all right. So I, I go in there and I'm like, I'm going to figure this out. As I'm walking in, Jimmy Iovine goes, hey, hold the door. I wanna, I, I'm coming in. So I'm holding the door for Jimmy. First time I'm ever meeting Jimmy. Jimmy walks in and he asks, how long until we're ready to record? And the engineer says, 15 minutes. He goes, you have four. That's and what Jimmy says. Jimmy says. And then he walks, starts to walk out. He gets to the door. He stops. He turns around and goes, I haven't fired anyone in a while. Today would be a good day to start. And then he leaves. And I'm like, I'm going to get fired on my first session, bro. Like, what? So then I'm looking around. I'd never been in this studio. I'm looking around like, all right, how can I help? And I'm like, guys, if you need anything, let me know what I can plug in. And I'm like trying to figure out how they have everything plugged in so that I can be of service. We finished just we finished just as Jimmy was walking in, and he presses it, and we have sound on everything. Yo, I was, Hallelujah! But that's what an engineer's job is. It's not yeah. a creative job. It's yeah. more of like setting up so that we don't have a crash when the creatives actually work. Yeah. And when there is a crash, being able to re rebound really quickly. Wow. You know, and it's stressful. Some people are built for it. And I think seeing um, this one guy, James Hunt, I don't know if you know him. He was working with Kendrick's people. Mm. He lived for it. And seeing him like thrive and have fun with it mm. made me realize it wasn't for me. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Like, I thought it was just supposed to be stressful yeah. for everyone. He was loving it. And uh, I was like, all right, I got to find whatever makes me feel like that. And it reminds me of this quote. I'm a big quote person, if you haven't known. <laughs> uh, and it's Albert Einstein said, everyone is a genius, but if you judge a fish by its ability to climb a tree, it will go its whole life thinking it's an idiot. Right. That's how I felt the music. I felt like I felt like there was like you, like yeah. you just described your path. I felt like so much of working in music, like there were parts of it that that fit me, but like so many parts of it didn't fit me. And now with this path, with the podcast, and I'm doing a master's in psychology, and I just feel like this is me, bro. Like this is this is good. This is a fit on all levels, right? But I heard Mac Miller talking to Rick Rubin in this documentary, Shangri-La. If you haven't seen it, you should watch it. It's on Showtime. It's amazing. Mac says to Rick, like, he's like, my job is to just be the most me I can be. Mm -hmm. And then you win. That's it. Yeah. Be the most you. So you and I, we couldn't be the most me. Right. Us. us. We couldn't be the most I don't think us we knew that we could be because that wasn't true to us. That wasn't the, that wasn't the right and there was uh, no space soil. For that it. wasn't the right yeah. soil for us. Each passing day, man, that went by, it started to wear on me more and more and more each passing day until I just flamed out. Same. Same, I think, right? I think that has to happen because you never would have stopped. 100%. You would have just kept 100%. going for the rest of your life, miserable. I look at it like I was in a relationship at an ex and like it was mm -hmm. like, it was a really toxic relationship. Just wasn't working. And then, and then she went back to her ex and I was like, there so, it is. Mad, so mad at the time. But I was like, oh, 
Thank God. Thank you. Yeah, it's like, <laughs> ended it. You know what I mean? Yeah, there's some comedian. He said, I, so he's like, I'm stuck in this two-year relationship with this girl, like, kind of like. You know, I'm just hoping one day I'll come in or her sleeping with some other person. So I go, whoop. Yeah, he was like, whoop. You can't do that. I'm free. <laughs> but that's how it feels, right? Because it's like you, you need that thing that just kind of gives you that last final push. 100%, man. That's, you know. Bro, that's that's a that's a clip right there. That's well, a that's a top ten sports center clip right there. Yeah. Just suffering is the the birth of everything. But it's like if you look at a diamond, right? Like it, it's like to to sand a diamond is friction, right? It's literally friction to get the diamond looking polished and pretty. We go through that in life, bro. It's all friction, and that's why it's weird. Like I just turned forty, and I'm feeling like. I'm more myself and more in the zone than I've ever been before. And it's only because the friction I've had for the last 15 years. 100%. Yeah. yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. So I think, I think I'm in the same boat. Like as, as a 35 year old, I finally know who I am. Yeah. I'm surrounded by people who know who I am, who not only know me, but wouldn't want me to be anyone else. And has the other shit fallen away? Yeah. Is like, the question. Literally no one that I have anxiety about is in my life anymore. See, here's the growth, man. You ready for this? Yeah. It's like I put so much onus on the label and the dirtiness of it and all that, but really, we were willing participants. A hundred percent. Right? 100%. So we got to look inward and be like, shit, what was, how we're was greedy. I expecting that? <laughs> why was I allowing that treatment to, to happen to me? Right? Yeah. And well, the internet has helped me see that like there's you know? other ways to do it. Thank God the internet, I think it's for the sure. great equalizer. But I think it's ego, though. I mean, just staying with that point of what made us stay in these situations where we weren't being treated fairly, right? So I'm proud of us, man. I feel like we both come a long way. Yeah, I think I'm it's glad dope. you came back to L.A. Because, like... Thank you, man. Yeah, like, now we can create some more. And I feel like, you know, you're starting new. Yeah. You know, I, I'm totally a new person at yeah, this point. Yeah, man. I feel like I'm we got... The same. We yeah. both have that sort of fresh energy right now. You know, when you were in the studio there at Interscope, you were around Dre, Dre too, I assume, a lot. I had lunch with Dr. Dre. It's the only time I was ever around him. Let's go to this Dr. Dre lunch, right. for instance. So yeah, let's... This let's, is let's, so crazy that let's it even bless happened. The, let's bless the listeners. I'm saying. Like, what so, did you get? So I'm sitting there and he asked me, we're just well, talking where, about. Give us the image though. Where are you having right, lunch? Give so us So it's in the, the, the kitchen area of the studio. So like you, you've been in the studio. At Interscope. So. There's, a, there's a little studio across the street from Interscope and right, it's there. Right, across from there. Yeah. And then like, so there's like four studios surrounding this kitchen and this giant circular table, Dre sitting by himself at the table. And I walk in. And I see my friend, and I'm like, oh, what's good? And he goes, hey, Malachi, this is Doc. Doc, this is Malachi. And Dre goes, I know this guy. He's the guy that gets all my food orders right. Have a seat. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> so I'm like sitting with Dre, just kicking it with him. And he, we just start organically having conversation. And he asked me about my music. And I said, you know, I, I think once I have one or two hits under my belt, then they'll offer me money for the next thing. And he said, listen, man, I've been doing this my whole life. I have yet to have anyone offer me money for anything. Just figure out how to make these motherfuckers pay you. Wow. And that was probably the deepest thing I'd ever heard. And I was thinking like, all right, I thought once I become someone, then they'll treat me different. But they treat him the same way they treat me. So if that's the case, what do I need to do to just get paid? And from that point forward, I started bossing up and like saying no to things and then like 
negotiate, learning how to negotiate, learning how to get my leverage up, you know, and, and I started getting paid. I started thinking like I didn't get the money because I wasn't someone deserving of getting the money hmm. versus thinking, oh, I'm not getting the money because I'm not forcing them to pay me. Wow. So I started like squeezing and I lost a lot of friends, man, squeezing for that money. Wow. Like I, I say I lost friends. People I thought were my friends, I lost because I would like start squeezing. Like, no, you didn't pay me. I'm not coming in anymore. And they'd be like, oh, I see how it is. You're only doing this for the money. And I'm like, yes, that's what a job is. That's what a job is. Because I think that that goes beyond music. Right. It's you know what I mean? Life. It's universal yeah, life, which is what life. this podcast right. is trying to touch on. So Yeah. Everything is everything. Yeah. I think there's, there's nothing that I learned in the music industry that hasn't translated to outside and back, you know, back and forth. Because we think getting signed means something. But all you're doing is telling people look you own me now and that's it i think it does something for your ego maybe or you know? it's a finish line that you've created that's that you don't even know what it really means it's yeah. like getting a degree doesn't mean anything if you can't get a job i've seen so many people celebrate getting a degree and not having a job for five years and like they'll <laughs> throw a party their family will celebrate and then when they actually do get a job no one celebrates no one goes, oh, congrats, you got the job of your dreams. Oh, you created a business. Good job. Let's throw you a party and get you a cake. No, they're going to celebrate this piece of paper because it's a symbolic victory. I think it's really hard for us as humans to create concrete finish lines other than a piece of paper. But yet at the same time, we're always growing and figuring shit out. And so we're allowed to be, there's another thing I heard, we're allowed to be both a masterpiece and a work in progress at the same time. Ooh, I like that too. That's it's another a good dope one, one right? Shoot, man, you got so, for days. I, I feel like just from us kicking it like five years ago, you know, that just in that stretch of time, I feel like you've grown like 20 years and like five years. Oh, thank you. I definitely am just around a lot of old souls, a lot of really wise people. And a lot of that shit that was kind of holding you back, I feel like you've let fall away. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. And sometimes like, it's like enlightenment, <laughs> I can go quotes for days, but like enlightenment isn't about attaining new stuff. It's about removing old stuff. 100%. You yeah, shedding get to nothing. it. The, the point is you want to be nothing. Like exactly, just, bro. Just nothing there. That's made so much of a difference for me just in the last year. I've, I've picked up what you just said there. And I just feel like I've grown exponentially, Malachi, like in the last like year and a half, man. It's been my... You know when we had like growth spurts in, in high school, like physical, physical growth ones. spurts? Yeah. Well, clearly, you've yeah. had a lot of them. I've had a lot. Yeah, six, six foot four, four, bro. Jesus like Christ. Giant, bro. <laughs> but like, but yeah, heart of a lion. <laughs> but I feel like that that happened um, this last year and a half, bro. I had, I had a, a spiritual growth spurt, man. And uh, it really stemmed from a breakup, which does, don't they all kind of, I mean, breakups can be breakups can be like hugely empowering they can be disempowering for a lot of people but well, for the transition. people that it's a transition but for the people that do it in a healthier way they make it an empowering situation right is that fair to say that's 100 percent. a lot of people are like well i'm never dating anyone like that again and they're <laughs> always like trying to fix something they by miss the it. opportunity about what they can learn about themselves right. when they say 100%. that right <laughs> yeah it's like there's not the other person i know there's only one relationship it, you have to master and that's a relationship with yourself you mentioned working for diddy right yeah that i want to hear give me like one takeaway of wisdom if you could uh from that from that situation so danity kane had already happened i actually got to meet three of them they were pretty cool 
and there he was on the new group of guys. And uh, it was around that time. I'm trying to think of something. Was he, he physically around in your space though? Like all the time. He doesn't like give you wisdom. Like you know, how Jimmy's like Jimmy poised. Yeah, he poised doesn't. He doesn't like, do none that. Of that. Yeah, he he'll say stuff that like is wise, but it's like yo, he's a like, like yo, he's like clowning on somebody right now, and it's wise as hell. Like one mm. intern left and came back, and he was super did very well, and he was talking about like. You know, I learned some stuff in the industry. I could help you, you know, build up your business. Is the intern talking? Came back, yeah. So he came back. He's no longer an intern. Okay. So five, ten years later, he comes back. He's successful now. Got it. And he was like, you know, I got some advice. I can help you telling with your business. You. No, yeah. telling this oh. to Diddy, right? Telling it to Diddy. To Diddy. Okay. He was like, yo, I saw some stuff. I can help you. And Diddy's just sitting there listening. And he goes, do I have a suggestion box on the outside of my door? He's like, then why the hell are you giving me suggestions? <laughs> Yo, 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 yo. That was amazing. I got a friend right now that's killing it, managing uh, a couple artists that are like, you know, charting towards the top and all that. Nice. And yeah, and he was telling me, he's, he's like, he's trying to keep it all in house now, right? Like the production and this, you just try to keep it all in house because he thinks it's easier, cleaner, etc. Because otherwise, like I'm gonna do this outside deal, I'm gonna do that outside deal, and those relationships are gonna dissolve. Like he said that. Well, what is the fear around having things dissolve? Um, well, honestly, like isn't there a saying that's like don't burn bridges? Well, yeah, don't burn you know it. What but I mean? what if the bridge just collapses <laughs> under the? You know, over time, bridges that yeah. don't get maintained collapse. Like, I think the coolest thing... That's a great way to put it, man. Yeah, you don't burn over it. Over time, they just break down over time. It's all natural wear and tear. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And I think, I think appreciating a bridge for what it is is more important than trying to not burn it down, right? So it's like, cool, I got to go across it for a year. Hmm. And it was able to, you know, like, I'm grateful for this bridge. It crumbles, and you're still grateful for the year that you had. Amazing. Versus looking at the years you don't have it. Does that make sense? Yeah. Or just focusing on the fact that it crumbled. It crumbled. Yeah, yeah it crumbled. Yeah. And yeah. you know what? I'm glad I had that person You're in my life. You're grateful for that bridge. Yeah. And sometimes wow. I'm grateful that it crumbled because now I see the There's opportunity other it became. Yeah. Here. Right, it right, forced right, me to right, do right. this other thing. You know, wow. like, I had one rapper that I worked with. He was in, he was, um, I'll say it. I, I think we're cool. Uh, Cleo, you know, um, I met him through Soldier Boy. And we became really close friends. And um, I worked on his whole mixtape in 2011. We put it out. And he wanted to go immediately with the next one. But I was like, you know, I didn't make any money. So I was like, you know, I got to do work. So I kind of was like, hey, you know, give me some time to either get more work or you could pay me for some of the work that I'm going to do on the next one. And, you know, however, however I delivered it, it didn't land as an opportunity for him. You know what I'm saying? And the, that bridge collapsed. I was just thinking of like using it to move my career forward instead mm -hmm. of actually building it so that we had a relationship. Mm. So I wasn't focused on the integrity of the relationship. I was just focused on the opportunities that I saw. Was it hard to sort of pick yourself back up after that for a little bit, honestly? Like, did you go through a period of like... All right, like back at the start, back at the drawing board or whatever. And did that, you know, yeah. was that, did that weigh on you? Yeah, I think uh, mm -hmm. I was like, you know, I'm not gonna, I won't be able to use that avenue anymore. I built, I took like six months to build this avenue and it's gone now. 
So now I've got to build another avenue, find another artist that that likes what I do and, and trust me enough to actually give me space to do that. That would have weighed on me. Yeah. And I remember coming across a guy once in the music business that I think he did Spotify playlists or whatever. And he's like, what? He's like, you don't like the casino. That's all the music industry is. It is. And it's so true. And it's- I didn't realize that, Malachi, until... I left it. How crazy is that, bro? It's all gambling. Because the talent does not equate to the success. I know some incredible... Don't you know some incredibly mind-blowingly talented artists that are homeless or barely scraping by? And then don't you know some artists that are like kind of shitty when it comes to talent that are making millions and millions and millions of dollars? Killing the game. So then like, you tell me how that's not Vegas. There's a hundred percent. I mean, it's, <laughs> it is every, Vegas. every level of it is a gamble. So I think a lot of people in the industry, they are professional gamblers. And then, you know, I'm not going to name any names on this one, but I've seen some people who gambled heavy and failed two or three times in a row. Wait, gambled heavy on an artist? Artist, yeah. And they failed a few times in a row and then like their head then was on a chopping block. So then they do like whatever they can find that's a sure thing, even if their soul isn't like resonate with it i've seen a and r executives i've seen artists i've seen a bunch of people where just like this is my last chance i have to make something happen or else i'm done so when you become a professional gambler you start to flirt with it's like it's like the equivalent of like the real professional gambler having to like pawn their jewelry or or rob somebody (laughs) yeah or or, you know to get back in the game yeah Yeah. to be able to do it again yeah so like you really don't want to be in a place where you don't have a business at all i'm not saying don't gamble i think everyone should take gambles no yeah risk believe me because i played it too conservative in some ways too i think you and i are very similar in that way yeah 100 percent i feel like we're spreading our wings a little bit more see now this is a risk right yeah. You, you got this podcast. You don't know what's going to happen. This time may not pay you back. I feel really good about it, right. but you know that's, Regard- all I, that's all that matters. Right. But the thing is, you love it, and you're going to consistently do it, and you're going to figure out how to turn it into a business. I'm going to monetize it somehow. That's turning it into a business. Yeah. From a gamble to a business. Yeah. And I like my odds better here than the music industry. And they're your because odds. Because they're my odds. I got control. Your odds. This podcast, it's like, I'm not going to fire myself. you're in front of the camera yeah so like people see you Mm. but versus if you are behind then they blow up yeah they can leave you behind i'm building my equity and i used to build their equity right 100 percent. you're building their business their brand their equity yeah was rising and yours wasn't i think it's a level of confidence that you have to grow into through your trials and your tribulations like i feel like it's almost like the cake had to bake in the oven as long as it had to to be a fully formed cake. True. And right? I think, I think if you just put out the cake right from like whatever, it's like it's going to fall apart. So I think that. That's a good point. Yeah, the last little bit we were talking about is like, oh, well, we should have done this or we should have realized this sooner. But like, nah, because. It, take the, it takes as long as it takes. I'm going to own it. I'm going to own it. I think part of why I like helping other people. So that means I don't have to work on helping myself. Mm, Does that make good. sense? That's good, man. So like when I own that, like I'm like, all right, you're right. It's a distraction. It is. It's like, mm. look, I got, I made the money and there's a song out 
And I didn't have to be in front of the camera, in front of the microphone. So I got around it, you know, and it's like, I'm just avoiding the inevitable. The thing that I, I really was avoiding was just like fear of failure mm. and fear of rejection. You know, when you put a song out and no one likes it. Because then it's all you. See, that's the beauty of when it's not you is those L's don't hit as hard. They don't. You're right. See, that's the level I try to get on on the podcast, man. That level of real hey, I, is I, refreshing. I got so nothing to hide. Thank you for sharing that. <laughs> and honestly, man, how many people that are watching or listening have felt this way? Probably 99% maybe because they're human. I hope I hope, I hope <laughs> so at some point like, people have felt it because yeah. like it's there. And if you don't feel it, that means you're just numb. I definitely, when I rapped it, I was so nervous. I flubbed uh, one or two lines. So I'm thinking, man, I'm really like an imposter syndrome kicks in. For I'm sure. Like, I shouldn't have even been doing this. And then I put it out and everyone just was like, yo, wow. that was fire. Wow. Do more like this. And I'm like, what? Wow. What is my, what am I doing? Why am I not rapping? I'm going to say it into the camera so I have accountability. Yeah. I'm going to start doing a 16 every day like Wax did. Oh, yeah. He was steady and, and with it. And that's how you found him. Yes, because he was Steady. steady. You got to be steady. Uh-huh. I was yeah, really yeah, telling yeah. my homegirl yeah. about yeah. that. I was like, like, there was something about seeing him do the 16 every day yep. that made us go, yeah, he was the guy. Yep. You know, So I'm going to do a 16 every day, which means I got to write and record it every day. I'm going to hold you to that, by the way, Malachi. Thank you for uh, stopping by today. Yes. Thank you for bringing your wisdom. Uh, where can people find you? Oh, uh, my name is my brand. So Malachi Mott, M-A-L-A-C-H-I. M-O-T-T dot com. And they can check out the Hot 16 on yeah, the, the 16 Instagram, on Instagram page. Same name. Sweet. Hit me up on there, you know. Um, and, you know, the, the thing that I offer, you know, if anyone is stuck in their art, if you're trying to get your art to the finish line and you don't know how, that's what I help with. I literally help people distinguish what's in the way, move it out the way so that you're reliably finishing your projects. And you're going to help people, but you're still going to be putting yourself in front of the spotlight, I am doing man. that 100%. Right. I'm going to do both. And I know that by doing in front of the camera, that's also going to help because they're going to see what it looks like. And we, so. yeah, we talk about momentum. That's such a good point. We got to hammer that home. People stay on the grind so that you can build up that inertia and build yourself a brand. Yep, make it happen. Make it happen. One love, thank you. Tune in next week, guys. Peace out. Take it easy. Thank you so much again for tuning in to today's episode. It really means the world to me. If you heard anything relatable that created new awareness for you, please visit our podcast on iTunes and leave a rating or review. This helps build our audience. Please comment, like, and share this episode out with your family, friends, coworkers, or anyone who you feel would benefit from the messages shared in today's episode. I'm really, really grateful for your help in spreading these messages of hope and wisdom. The world is in such great need right now, and your support helps carry the message onward to others who need it. Also, please consider becoming a monthly financial contributor to the podcast. You can do so by visiting connectionismagic.com and clicking on the Patreon link. Patreon is a third-party platform which helps support creators in exchange for exclusive content and offers. You'll be able to get discounted merchandise like comfy hoodies, t-shirts, as well as retreat discounts where we'll have special guest speakers and group activities to connect you with like-minded community members. Again, thank you so much for tuning in, and until next time, please stay connected.